Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Marty Smith's America podcast. This is volume 53, and it is awesome. Joining us this week, Greg Oden, a number one overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft, a former All-American at Travis's The Ohio State University in his one season in Columbus, and someone who has intrigued me for a long time. And I always wondered what how he would define his path because it's such an interesting path. People will use the word bust forever when it comes to Greg, but I think that all of that is a subjective thing. His NBA career did not turn out how he hoped it would, certainly, how the Portland Trailblazers hoped it would, certainly, but so much of that was contingent on the fact that he was injured all the time. He had three microfracture surgeries. That is that is crazy. Uh, his body just gave up on him. And people forget that he was an utterly dominant force when he was healthy as a young player. His year at Ohio State was tremendous. And then he gets to the league and his body starts to break down and it never truly recovered. You'll learn during this interview what that was like for him, what he went through emotionally as a result of that, and the crutches he used to manage it all. It is a phenomenal, fascinating conversation with someone that I've long uh, been, again, been very intrigued by, but someone I've, I've admired because it's easy for us on the outside. It's easy for those of us on the outside to look at somebody and go, oh, man, they suck. Oh, man, they're a bust. Oh, man, they're a failure. It's so easy for us to say that because it's not our life. But if we actually take the time to consider the emotion that's involved in it actually being your life and have some empathy about it being someone else's life, then if you try to look at the world through their lens, I think we should all try to do that a little more these days. Try very hard to see the world through someone else's lens, regardless of context. And... I have done that with Greg, and I've read a lot of, of pieces on him and just been fascinated by his journey. And like like me, like you, like everybody else, there's some things he wants back, certainly. But uh, he is in such a great place, and he is full of joy. And that makes me full of joy. It was awesome to hear, and it will be great for you to hear. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But before we get to our awesome conversation with Greg Oden, it's a very special day for me. I finally get to formally announce that I have written a book. I know that we've discussed it a bit uh, in, in previous podcasts and on Marty and McGee and whatnot. I've kind of skimmed over it. But now I can actually tell you guys that my first book, it's called Never Settle. It comes out August 6th, and it's... One of the great joys of my life to have the opportunity to write about the amazing experiences I've had uh, at ESPN growing up in rural America, in Appalachia, the influence that my parents had on me, the influence that high school football had on me, and, and the fact that high school football is a universal thread that weaves through the American fabric. And any of us that played are part of that fraternity. And my high school experience is a lot like your high school experience, those of you who played it. And the lessons learned and the camaraderie built 
is forever. And I named that chapter Forever Friday. And it is the ninth chapter in the book for a reason. Anybody that knows me knows why. And it's a very important chapter to me. I write about Nick Saban. And I write about Tiger Woods. And I write about Cristiano Ronaldo and going to China and climbing through the Grand Canyon with Scott Frost. And all of these unbelievable experiences that I've had that ESPN has granted me and that the subjects involved have granted me. And the reason I wanted to write the book the way I wrote it is because I consider every one of us to be pieces of clay. And I feel like every experience, every acquaintance, certainly every relationship, every friendship, every triumph, every failure, pinch at that clay. Some of those are small little pinches. Some of them take chunks out of us. But they all reshape the human being we are and who we will be. And each of those experiences in my career, which are beyond my wildest dreams, guys, I don't forsake these opportunities. I don't take them lightly. I don't look at them flippantly. I know my blessings. And the fact that 12 books out of New York City believed in me and offered me this opportunity is humbling beyond belief and I can't wait for you guys to read it. I just can't wait to re- for you guys to be able to read it. And if you're interested in reading my book and, and I'd appreciate it if you bought it, you can pre-order them right now. You can go to my Twitter page. I have a pre-order link on my Twitter page right now. It's pinned to my profile, at Marty Smith ESPN. And you guys saw the TV versions of a lot of the stories in this book. But there were so many more variables involved. There was so much more depth involved than we could convey in five or six minutes. What you're going to read about Tiger Woods, man, the story he told me about him and his dad, the bond that I built with Saban because of our father's, the impact that my dad had on me. When you lose your daddy, I talked about this with Chase Rice on a podcast two weeks ago. You lose a compass. It is a compass. And when that compass is, no matter what your relationship is with your dad, when that compass is gone, it is a moment of great confusion that you have to work through as a man or as a, or as, as a woman. And um, it's just, look, my, my grandfather was in George Patton's third army and I got the great opportunity to chat with him about that in 2009. And he told me the craziest stories, man, harrowing. And I put that like it, this is a, this is a unique piece. And I wrote a preface because I wanted to explain the methodology. Dude, there's poetry in this book. I've for years on airplanes across the country, I've written poetry. I've written songs. There are songs that I've written in this book. And most books build chapter upon chapter towards some sort of climax. It's an age-old, proven approach. That is not how I wrote this book. I wrote a record album. I wrote a book that each chapter can stand alone on its own merit. But the great record albums 
produce a theme that it is a thematic journey that if done well is an impactful journey for that listener. And I hope that's the case for you guys as readers. I wrote it all last football season and it was quite an undertaking. But it is, has been a dream of mine for 25 years. And I'm so appreciative of Sean Desmond, my publisher. I'm so appreciative of ESPN for allowing me the latitude to do that. And I'm appreciative of every colleague, producer, interview subject that opened themselves up to me and offered me this chance. Uh, I'm humbled by it. I mean it. And it would mean the world to me if you guys bought it. And if you do, I'll sign every damn one of them. So, uh, again, it's called Never Settle. The book will be released on August 6th, just ahead of football season. And we're going to have fun during football season with these books. And I'll get into that more later as we put our plan, our finalized plan together. Is there going to be an audible version where, with your voice? There is. There is. Uh, I'm going to spend three days doing i'm going to read my book and there's going to be an audio version absolutely and if that's the way you consume your books then that's the way that you can you can consume mine as well that will be available at the same time and uh a lot of people were taken aback that i wrote it myself i wrote every single word myself and it was an emotional journey for me i broke down writing it at times i felt very proud. I felt disgusted with myself at times writing it, but it's me and it's my beautiful wife and it's my three beautiful children and it's my beautiful parents and my beautiful grandparents and the men and women again who've shaped me that I've had the great opportunity to learn from. People like Tim Tebow. I can't wait for you guys to read Everything that I've learned from Tim. Every time I'm around Tim, I'm inspired. I've never met a more inspiring person. I can't wait for you guys to read about Olivia Quigley, the Special Olympics athlete that completely changed my life. Um, I just, uh, I could go on and on about it. And I will. We're going to look. It's going to be something you guys hear about often over the next couple months. I don't know that I've ever been prouder or more humbled of anything that I've ever had the blessing to produce so go buy it before we get to greg i want to remind you guys that hiring can be challenging but not with zip recruiter there is one place you can go where hiring is simple fast and smart a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates that place is ziprecruiter.com slash marty that's all you have to do if you're looking for candidates for your job opening just go to ziprecruiter.com slash marty because at ziprecruiter with their powerful matching technology ziprecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invites them to apply for your job as applications come in ziprecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates so you never miss a great match ZipRecruiter is so effective that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the site within the first day. Travis and I would be those fifth guys. We'd be those guys that tried really hard to put our 
our resume on ZipRecruiter, and the next thing you know, uh, we'd be that fifth guy. Sorry, boys. It didn't work out for you this time. But it can work out for you. Right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at this exclusive web address. ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash M-A-R-T-Y. ZipRecruiter.com slash Marty. ZipRecruiter, the easiest way to hire. And if any of you college basketball programs, NBA programs are out there looking for candidates for your coaching hires, maybe old Greg Oden's resume will be on ZipRecruiter. You never know because that's where he hopes his future is headed. This is my amazing conversation with former number one overall pick in the NBA, Greg Oden. It is a, a true honor for me to welcome Greg Oden, the number one overall pick in the 2007 NBA draft, an All-American at the Ohio State in one season in Columbus, and someone whom I've long admired and, and who has long intrigued me. And first, my man, uh, again, I appreciate so much your time. Update us on what you have been up to. Well, first, thanks for having me. Um, I recently just uh, graduated from the Ohio State University <laughs> this past Sunday. <laughs> um, and the next move for me is uh, putting my name out there and looking to get into coaching. I love it. I, I did see that you graduated. Congratulations. That is a wonderful achievement Thank for you. anyone. But going back to school to do it is all the more, especially when you have money. And so I admire your resolve to do that. What does that degree represent for you? What I grew up knowing is, you know, you go to school, you go to college, you get your degree, you get a job, you move forward in life. So with that embedded in me, you know, I went to school, went to the NBA, was making a living, but then things happened. Um, and, you know, what I can do is just turn around and look at at this moment in my life where I was the happiest, this is where I was at and what was I doing. So to move forward from there, it was to go back to school, finish this degree, and finish the path that I've always known that works. What made you the happiest? What, what was that year in Columbus? What made you the happiest there? Um, I think it was just because that was the last time I really felt like a kid still. I mean, even though I looked like a grown man, I, I, you know, still had kid responsibilities. I still had to go to class. You know, I got to enjoy my time with my friends, being in the dorms with friends. And, you know, once your name's called, you know, you got a lot of expectations. You got a city on your back. You got a team and an organization expecting a lot of things out of you. So I, I just felt like at Ohio State was the last time I was able to take a deep breath as a kid without those responsibilities. What comes with number one overall that we can't fathom, those of us who don't experience that? Uh, mm, that's a great question. Um, and to explain it in words, I mean, it, it's a – it's this pressure you put on yourself. You don't want to let this whole city down. You don't want to let all the medias down and everybody who, who picked you number one. You don't want to disappoint all these people who are looking forward to what your future brings, all these people who are invested in your future. You just don't want to, you know, let anybody down. You, you want, you want everybody to, to eat off of you and, you know, it, it's when things don't work out exactly how you planned, which is always, 
you know, it, it's kind of hard and it's kind of hard to get your mind back around it. to how are you going to be happy? Because for so long with that pressure, you're worried about everybody else instead of just worried about you and enjoying yourself and being the best person you can be and the best ball player you can be. You sound very happy right now. And it's awesome to hear that. When was the last, while you were in the NBA, how, how often were you happy? You know, I, I was happy. There, there was things that happened, you know, that, that definitely brought down um, how I felt about situations and myself. Um, I mean, it was hard not to be happy when you're playing for the Miami Heat. You know, it, it's hard not to be happy when you're in Portland and you're number one draft pick and, you know, everybody's giving you good restaurants and great food and, and good people. You know, there are things that you can be happy with. But, you know, when circumstances come, and for me it was kind of like I just never felt I was playing. Um, I was always rehabbing, but I was never on the court. I was never doing the things that I was actually there to do. That was where a little bit of, of my sadness and a little bit of my depression came from. Yeah, you noted the you noted the constant rehabbing, and everybody, anybody who knows anything about you knows about all the microfracture issues and the surgeries and all that. I want to yes, know sir. what the impact. You said the word depression right there. I want to know what the mental mm-hmm. impact of that was on you. I mean, it was uh, it, it was up and down. Um, I, I mean, for me, it, it was a lot of drinking. It, it was a lot of nights out. It was a lot of. Um, medicating myself just to go to sleep, just to, I don't know, not even think about everything that's going on. What do you hope to achieve moving forward? You noted there you want to get into coaching. What, what's the yes, ultimate sir. goal there? My ultimate goal is actually just to impact a, you know, a young kid. Um, it doesn't matter if it's a young man, young woman. Um, and just show them everything that basketball can do for them. Yes, I've had so many ups and downs, but, I mean, I'm living a great life. I mean, basketball has taken me to so many places. It made me meet so many people, such great friendships and relationships. And, I mean, it got me a little bit of money, too. So um, the one thing I can in life lessons in that, and, and that's just one part of it. And then watching this game, I mean, I've been watching from the sidelines, so I don't know how long. So I'm looking at the game change. I'm looking at where, you know, people can make these impacts. I've been around, you know, a couple of basketball programs, some great coaches, you know, seeing how their minds are thinking and how we can impact this game as players. And you can utilize every player on the team to better your team and hopefully make the best chance to win. You noted great coaches, and I know that you were in a bit of a rough spot personally when Thad Mata called and said, hey, man, I want you to help Mm -hmm. me out. I want you to come back Mm -hmm. home, and I want you to help me out. How would you describe Thad's importance in your journey? Uh, It's uh, it's one of the biggest. um, That when he picked up the phone, uh, when I reached out to him, and and what he said to me, I think that was the start um, or the first well, second step after, you know, I re- realized I need to get myself together. But that second step, him giving me a, a branch to, you know, like, 
get me away from being in the house, get me away from, you know, being to my thoughts and, you know, not doing and doing something terrible. It, it got me around basketball, got me to go to the gym every day. It got me to get on the court. It got me to, to build relationships with these young players and, and get to see how they're thinking, get to talk to coaches and, and see how they're thinking and how these two are going to mesh well to, to put out the best product out there on the floor for everybody. I mean, when he just had me come around and just witness that it, it was just amazing. I'm so thankful for him and his family. I honestly want to say because of my, my graduation gift from him actually just came today and it was a really nice necklace and I, I really appreciate that. I, I'm actually going to reach out to him later today for that. Without that branch that he extended, who are you right now? <laughs> I have no idea. I mean, I, I would love to say I, I'm the person that's headed on this path I am now, but um, without those opportunities, uh, I honestly felt like I was lost before, you know, I did come back to Ohio State and, and, and start on this path. So I, I really don't know. You've had quite a journey, Greg, and I wonder when you believe you found yourself on this journey. Uh <laughs> When I found myself, uh, honestly, I'm, I'm still looking. You know, the graduation was a a, a big step in, in accomplishing a, a goal that I've always wanted to do. But there's so much more. Um, I, I got a family I have to take care of. So there's so many things I want to do. There, there's so many people I want to impact. You know, uh, I'll stick with just one. But there's a lot more that I want to do on my path. You noted your your family. I, I know you're mm-hmm. a dad now, and yes, I'm a dad too. I have I have three, three myself, and nothing in my life. Thank you, sir. Nothing in my life impacted my perspective on the world quite mm-hmm. like fatherhood has. And yes, I wonder how becoming a father impacted your perspective on your journey and the world in which you live. My wife actually got mad at me in the delivery room. You know, everybody's all excited and everybody's talking. And I promise you, I was probably, when she was born, I was probably quiet for the next three hours. Like, just didn't say a word, just just was thinking. And uh, I think that was actually the moment where, you know, I, I had nothing to say. I had all these thoughts about what I need to do for her you know, the type of person I need to be for for her to see, you know, uh, am I going, am I the type of person that I would be okay with her ending up with? Um, just all those things was going through my head. And my wife was like, say something. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it is fun. Being at the delivery room is different, Greg. You're standing there looking at this little alien, right? And it's like, Whoa, I made this and now I have to raise this. Lord, please be yes, with sir. me right now. <laughs> yes, sir. And mine's fit in my palm, so it was like, oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is your sweetest basketball memory? Uh, sweetest basketball memory. Um, it would uh, – I mean, it's, it's a lot. I remember uh, the year before my kneecap broke, with Portland, um, I, I would say like I had a 20 rebound game and I was like one of the like seeing like six or seven 20 rebound games that year. So I, I felt pretty good about that. Like I was coming along, um, making it to the national championship game and, and actually having a decent game. Um, 
and almost winning. That was good. Um, the Eastern Conference Finals with the Miami Heat was good. I wish I could have played more. I wish I could have contributed more. But to make it that far at the highest level, you know, to the NBA championship, that was something that I'm always going to cherish. Um, and yeah, those are about the three. I mean, three state championships is always good uh, in Indiana. So uh, that's always going to be a big memory of mine. What are those Indiana state uh, tournaments like you know we've all seen hoosiers we all know that it's a religious scenario put us there man what are those gyms like Uh, you literally just said it It, it's like religion like you'll look at uh the the state championship in most other states and you'll be like oh gosh what what game is this and you'll be like yeah this is two-way sectionals you know it's (laughs) it's, (laughs) it's just indiana like Everybody says that everybody has, you know, a basketball court in their driveway. I mean, this, this is, you know, you got football in, in Texas and in Ohio, but that's, that's basketball in Indiana. Everybody goes out to the games. These kids are well coached throughout Indiana and, and it's fun. What do you miss about the game? <sighs> the competition. Um, and being able to do it at the highest level. I mean, I, I would say competition, but, the type of game I had, just dominating, dunking on somebody, you know, just just fighting, pushing, getting that that hard play, you know, getting getting the, the fans to stand up, you know, that's a a great block, you know. I, I miss everything about the game and doing it at the highest level, you know. I, I can go out there and try and push myself all I want to, but I know my body's not going to be able to take it, so that's what I miss. Some people forget what a dominant, utterly dominant force you were before the injuries occurred. How would you define your NBA experience? Because it just doesn't seem fair. The most unfair moment is, you know, going into the doctor's office, getting the x-ray and the MRI, thinking that he's going to tell you you're all good, and he's telling you you need your third microfracture in a row. I mean, my heart literally dropped. I, I didn't know what to, to even think at that moment. Um, my my NBA experience was just full of, of rehab. I mean, it, it was it was always like, okay, I'm almost there. I'm almost there. Okay, no. And it was a little stint in the beginning where it was like, okay, look, he had an up and down year, but that's everybody's rookie year. The second year, it was only what twenty games, and it looked like. You know, things were really coming along, and I, I felt like I was in a good space mentally and that I was playing, and, and then something happened again and, and brought me down again. Then a long stint of surgeries and injuries, and Miami was a, a up and up, but it was like I could never do enough to to get to where I wanted to to contribute to help that team get a championship. So for me, it was always something. It's always fighting to get something, and it's never enough. One thing about being a professional athlete is in in a lot of cases unless it's a substantial detriment you kind of play when you're nicked up no matter yeah i mean guys play hurt a lot what's the Mm -hmm. pressure greg what's the pressure for elite athletes like you guys to play even when you know sometimes you shouldn't 
Um, I mean, you know, for for some, like, you know, right now, for instance, you know, you, you want to win a championship and you don't want to give up on your team. So if you're in the playoffs right now, you like, look, I'm going to push through this. I mean, if we lose, it's over anyway. So I might as well. Um, football is a, a totally different story because you got a bunch of people right behind you just waiting on you to sit out a game so they can take that spot. And it's not guaranteed. Um and you, you know, just just playing in sports. You know, you you want to be out there. You want to be the guy to be seen. You want to be the guy to make the play. And sometimes you don't even think about your health or think about what's best for you in the long run. You're thinking about just going out there and doing it right now. How closely do you pay attention to the game today? Uh, I mean, I'm watching uh, NBA TV, Game Time, <laughs> Highlights, ESPN. I mean, the Jump. I'm watching. Sports Center, I literally, that's all I watch. I have to find myself turning uh, the channel from Sports Center most of the time when uh, my you. wife and daughter are walking around. <laughs> we appreciate that, my man. Thank you. Some of us have Definitely. mortgages because of it. We appreciate that. <laughs> yes, sir. So we'll get, to, we'll get to KD in a minute. I know you know that mm-hmm. was coming. You guys are inextricably oh, no linked forever, but. Yes, who, who do you look at? Who do you look at in the game today and just go, Man, that that dude is a dude, and I know there's several right now. I mean, you got Embiid, you got KD, you got Bron, you got James Curry. Um, who else? I mean, I, I used to look at cousins like that. You got Dame, you got Kyrie. I mean, you you got a bunch of guys that's just. Doing what they're supposed to do for Giannis. I mean, how could you forget about oh, that yeah, man? Giannis, and and sure. probably he's the he's the one right now that I'm like, okay, this is uh this is like even in B, I, I used to feel like that too. But Giannis is, I'm like, God, <laughs> how do you stop that? <laughs> exactly. I'm not sure that that KD isn't the best scorer alive, and he's in the conversation for greatest pure scorers ever. When yeah. you watch him, what do you see, and how do you feel, and what do you think? I literally see one of the greatest scorers ever, and I see his effort that he puts on defense, and I'm like, it, it puts him in the talk for the best player on the planet right now. Um, that's what I see when I see him. I'm, I'm seeing his effort and I'm seeing the strength that, you know, a lot of people say he didn't have in, in his earlier years in his career. And it's like, dude, this guy is getting two, two and a half black shots a game and he's scoring, what, 28, 29. It's like, God, what, what can you do with him? <laughs> <laughs> you jealous of him at all? All the time. <laughs> all them guys playing. So the guy sitting on the bench in the suit, I am jealous. For one, that check is really nice. And two, you guys get to play the game that I love. (laughs) You were Bron's teammate. Uh, You noted Miami a bit ago. What Mm -hmm. is the traveling circus like, man, going around all over the country with that guy Mm -hmm. and D. Wade? And what what was Mm -hmm. that experience like for you guys? Uh, I mean, it wasn't as bad. For everybody else, I mean, you know, those guys, they did so much to be around the team and and was such team oriented. You don't even think about all the other stuff that they do when they're not with the team. It's like, damn, when do they even sleep? You know, 
it, it's amazing. Um, for me, the one thing I got from them, though, was how much of team-oriented and, and everything team that those guys were and, and how much hard work that they put in and dedication for that team, for that one goal of getting the championship. How rare is it for two first ballot Hall of Famers, world champions like that, to be that selfless in that league? It, it was the whole organization. You know, everybody was there for one goal. Um, and and to see it, it changed how I looked at the game of basketball. Um, you know, that that year in Miami, it was just like, okay, this, this if you really want to be good, if you really want to give it your all and, and get everything you can out of basketball, this is the blueprint right here because, I mean, you've seen them do this for many of years in a row. So that's just what my mind goes to from my time in Miami. That's cool to hear. When you've had a journey like yours, how difficult is it to trust people's intentions? It's very difficult, actually. Um, and I have a great wife who's definitely going to question everybody, even if I don't um, <laughs> let some slip through. Um, but it actually, it's a lot easier to kind of see through some things because I've been through some things. Um, before I, I'm such a nice guy that, you know, I, I, I never really even thought about being used or, you know, these different types of people who just want to get stuff from you, but, you know, just maturing, uh, getting better, going through some experiences, you know, you, you kind of see, see things a little bit differently and, and hopefully a little bit better. I know that you're, uh, getting ready to start the big three season coming sure. up here. I went up to. New York, right before they first debuted that that league, I went up to New York and hung out with AI, my man White Chocolate, and Q. Yes, sir. And yes, Q sir. had a real vision for that mm -hmm. league. What do you see as its potential, Greg? I mean, there's a there's going to be a, a bunch of guys, you know, who can still ball and who are big names that are going to be like, all right, I'm about to retire. I might take a year off. Um, but then that, that first summer is going to come real quick and they're going to be like, well, I could still go out there and play half court. <laughs> and I mean, I can't tell you who, but I just can, I can see it because it is that leaks is made up for stuff like that. You think about these guys who are, who are all stars now, who just always hoop, even when the season's over, you think they won't do that and enjoy themselves and, and keep on balling out at half court. Absolutely. And I mean, it's three on three is coming to the Olympics, man. I mean, I it's going to be that's, an Olympics. That's big time. That's huge. All right. Yeah. You get to pick the squad. You get to mm -hmm. pick the squad all time. Who's your three-on-three -three squad all time? All time. Um, I'm going to this is Wilt slash Shaq. <laughs> um, <laughs> this is hard, man. It's I, I really got, hard, uh, man. Uh, so, so I got a. I need a, a great shooter, so I'm going. Katie slash Larry Bird. That'll work. Um, and then who is the biggest point guard? Man, I gotta go James Harden just because it's three on three. Right now. Let me see who else is the most unstoppable. Uh, yeah, if I'm thinking three on three, I'm, I'm thinking scoring and just scoring and a four-point shot. So 
I got a dominant guy on the inside with either Shaq or Wilt. You got a Katie or Larry who can spread it out, but can also go inside too and still can't be stopped. And a James Harden who just can't be stopped. So no Mike. Ah, see, Mike is, it's so hard, man. man I know it's so hard. Get three names out of nowhere. I mean, <laughs> it's a difficult one. I will give you that. I mean, you know, it, uh, Mike Sled, yeah. Just Mike the competitiveness. Kobe. Yeah, Kobe and Michael like, were Mike so com- Kobe, yeah. What was I it mean, like watching he's, Kobe? He's a guy man. like Isaiah Thomas, too, you know? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, so that's all. What was it like watching Kobe? You were out there at the Uh, same time as he was, man. Yeah, um, you remember my first game, actually, after my year I was injured. We played the Lakers, and I ended up rolling my ankle that game, too. Um, I I mean, I've always been a Kobe fan, and it's funny. I talk about that mentality of giving your all to this game and and don't slack, and I'm like, that's basically what the Mamba mentality is. If someone was meeting you for the first time and had no idea about anything that you had ever achieved or mistakes you've made or accolades you've racked up, any of that, what would you tell them about yourself? Hey, man, I'm Greg Blank. Um, uh, hey, man, I'm Greg Oden, and I'm a, I'm a great person, man. Just talk to me. Communication. <laughs> it is. Communication is king, isn't it? Yes, sir. I appreciate you, man. What an awesome, man. awesome interview. That was great. Well, thank you very much, sir, Mr. Smith. I really appreciate you've been a fan for a long time. I don't really even know where to start in the download here, Travis, but I will tell you that uh, I just, first of all, it blows my mind that he's a fan. Blows my mind he even knows who I am. I think that's cool. I can't lie. But to hear his enthusiasm about life with everything he's gone through from the issues with drinking depression, all of the the things he's managed as his career failed to unfold as he'd hoped, to hear him in that headspace that he's in right now is absolutely wonderful. And to see a man go back to find his joyous place, I loved what he said right there. He was way down. He was drinking too much. He was struggling. And he thought, where is the happiest place? Where was my last happy place? And it was Columbus, Ohio. And so he went back there, and he got his degree, and Thad Mata, his coach at Ohio State, reaches out. That olive branch that he talked about, what a beautiful analogy. Hey, man, come on back home. We're going to get you back to where you're supposed to be emotionally and mentally, and your spirit will be full. And I just, that that to me, Travis, was a cool conversation well, i enjoyed it so it, much it had to be tough to think about this he's you know injured or things are going on he's not playing and then constantly every night kevin durant puts up 40 points kevin durant does this and everybody wants to remind him that hey you were picked ahead of kevin durant and you you can't escape that and so you can't escape it. and it that's hard to do we had chase rice on last week talking about how trying to deal with you know friends that are having success while he's not and having to deal with that and can you imagine on this magnitude as the NBA player, the first overall pick, I mean, I can't imagine what he was going through. 
He was going through a lot, and when you really break it down, when it, it none of it is his fault. It's not his fault he got chosen number one. It's not his fault that his body gave up on him. There are so many variables to this, but the, it, it, whether it's his fault or not, it's moot. It's occurring, right? In the moment, this is happening, and it's so hard. Our human emotion is one that we want that for us. There are some people that I've met who are born completely and utterly selfless. They want the best for everybody in their midst, but that is a very rare trait. It is a human emotion to see someone else achieving in your space and want what they have. And I've said it many times. I went through a a weird period last fall where I was having the biggest pity party ever, and it was pathetic. It was utterly pathetic the way that I was moping around. When I have a life this blessed, for me to spend six or eight weeks looking around at what I didn't have versus what I did, it was disgusting. And I was disgusted with myself. And I was blessed enough that I was able to look through the prism that I look through every day, and that is, Lord, thank you so much for what you've given me. I am so blessed in so many ways, in in every way. I am so blessed. And I was disgusted with myself that I took that approach. Not looking at, my gracious, look at my blessings. They abound. But, oh, man, such and such is doing that. This guy's doing that. And it's just, it's kind of how we're wired. It happens to the best of I I love, though, how you brought up reminding people what Gray Godin was. Because coming out of high school, there wasn't anybody more dominant than him. And his freshman year, he controlled college basketball. I remember, I mean, I was a freshman the same year that he was a freshman at Ohio State. And watching those games... It was unreal, and I, you asked what his some of his highlights were, and he, he left one out that I, the Tennessee game in the NCAA tournament, he led this comeback. We were down at halftime, and he has a game-winning block, and he goes tumbling to the ground. It's all seven feet of him putting his body on the line for the game, and just watching him, it was one of the most fun times of my life going through those three weekends during the NCAA tournament watching him play, and... The reason what was it like the- being on campus? So this is an interesting perspective that you have, dude. What was it like being on campus when that guy is on campus? I know that there's football players all the time, right? I know Ohio State is, well, so a, this was a, is st- a superstar factory in football. So this but a- with Odin, what was it like? What was the buzz at school? So this is the same year that Troy Smith wins the Heisman. Wow. But you had Thad Mata bring in his star-studded, so you had uh, – Mike Conley, Mike Conley. Who, who played high yep. school. You had Daquan Cook, who was on uh, Greg Oden's AAU team, and you had David Lighty. So those four Man. come they'll come flying in, and they took over. I mean, they were rock stars, and rightfully so because what they put together was an amazing run. And the only reason they didn't win at all is they ran into a Florida buzzsaw that went back to back years with Joe Kim Noah, and Al Horford. They were, you know, it. They were rock stars, and at a football program, they were, you know, they weren't the face because Troy Smith was there, but they were right there with him. In, in in a certain way, it makes me think about my evening the other night. I got home from the Kentucky Derby on when did I get home from the Kentucky Derby Sunday? I got home from the Kentucky Derby on Sunday, and you know, you you sit down on the couch, and I'm just kind of vegging a little bit, 
And ESPN had this 30 for 30 marathon on. And it started with Benji. Oh, that's a good uh, one. It, it, it was unbelievable. And I knew I had seen it before, but the raw, acute, primal emotion that that film evoked was something. And then right after that one was uh, Lenny Bias, uh, the 30 for 30 on, on Lynn, without bias it's called. And I remember being nine, ten years old growing up on Tobacco Road, and that dude was the truth. And Mike Wilbon said in both of those documentaries a very similar thought, and he is right. It's it's the sorrow and the unsettling emotion that comes with promise lost. And... Certainly in, in those two guys' cases, uh, they passed away. And that didn't happen to Greg Oden, but his career did. And so, uh, I, I kinda, it, it, it kinda makes me think of that. Like it's this, it's this unbelievable promise of this dominant force, that, this captivating force that never materialized. And, uh, can you imagine being? I just appreciate his spirit right now so much. I just it was so cool to hear for me. Can you imagine being that tall at sixteen, seventeen years old, and you're thinking no. the world is yours? No, I can't. I can't imagine the juxtaposition between that emotion and then when he noted that third microfracture diagnosis. When you know, man, that's it, and. Again, that's why I keep going back to the same thing here. When when you come out the other side of all of that hurt and you find yourself as the best version of yourself, it inspires me. And uh, I don't judge mistakes. I don't do that. Uh, I've made my own. And I just, uh, when, when someone is that fulfilled as a father, he has a path he's on that he he's going. The, the freight train's rolling down the tracks, man. It's just now. Let's hope somebody gives him a great he, opportunity. He's only thirty-one years old. I know, man. He's still so young. Like th- that's the, and the has crazy so much thing, to offer. dude. He said it right there. This is one thing that cannot be lost in his story. It hadn't been all roses, man. He's he he has seen the demons. He has been on the absolute pinnacle. He's been at the mountaintop as the the one man that the NBA considered to be the most coveted potential star. Think about how it felt that day when you're drafted number one overall. That is the top man. Of course, winning a championship or an MVP or something like that is is higher. But being the number one draft pick is real. So... That and then uh, all you have to do is is go read about Greg to learn about some of the depths that he that he reached. Uh, alcohol played a very serious part in his life. You heard him discuss it briefly there, that he self medicated with booze, and eventually he woke up and said, "Man, I I'm better than this." And to me, that is just it's inspiring. 
and uh, I appreciate his time so much and it's cool to hear his perspective on uh, on what could have been maybe in his NBA career and on that note Travis just in case you forgot I've now been 43 for three weeks and Tiso is still the official watch of the NBA each one of Tiso's timepieces delivers quality performance and traditional luxury this graduation season, get the NBA fan in your life a Tissot watch. The Tissot Chrono XL is a great watch for those looking for a sporty chronograph with Swiss technology at an unbeatable price. Shop now at us.tissotshop.com. And it's interesting that we're talking about Tissot time pieces because it's actually time to rekindle the Hillbilly Hotline. Words, sayings, or just a way of life? Roman candles? That's a redneck mortar launcher. That's what that is. <laughs> this is Hillbillyisms. Marty, Marty, Travis. How y'all doing? Uh, this is Josh Trier from Southport, North Carolina. Uh, we're about an hour north of Myrtle Beach. Uh, I got one for you. Uh, the night I graduated high school in 1995, I, uh, me and a bunch of buddies of mine, we had a um, hotel down there. We took off as soon as we got done. We took about six cases of beer with us. We down there, we uh, drinking, having a good time. So we're going to go walk on the strip. Uh, you know, raise hell, holler girl. Uh, you know, we walking down the strip and suddenly nature called. So I had to, uh, I ran to the first hotel I saw and of course they wouldn't let me use the bathroom because I wasn't staying there. So I took, left out of there, took straight across the street to this little carnival thing happening. And they was going to charge me 20 bucks to get in the place. And I was not going to pay $20 to go to the bathroom. So I left out of there. I look around. I see uh, beach access right across the road. So oh, here we go. To the beach access. Go over, get on the beach side, get down under the deck where I couldn't be seen. Did my business. About halfway through, uh, I hear a motor pull up. I said, son. You get done there, come on over here and see me. So I finished up, zipped up, walked over there, I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, pissing on this beach is like pissing in my backyard. I said, well, no, sir, I, I didn't know that. He said, uh, where are you from? I said, Long Beach, uh, about an hour up the coast there. He said, son, you piss on the beach in Long Beach? I said, sir, I've on the dunes in Long Beach. Now, y'all don't get me wrong. I dug a hole and all that. But uh, he didn't find it as funny as I did. And sure enough, click, click, put the cuffs on me, took me to jail. I get to jail. They uh, put me in the drunk tank. I wasn't even that drunk. But uh clerk calls me up. Says, Come out here. Uh, she said, Mr. Trivet, your bond is $76. I look in my wallet. I had 73 he said, sorry, you're going to have to wait till the magistrate gets here at 7 o'clock in the morning. Put me back in the tank. First thing I said was, somebody let me borrow $3. The little old fellow looked at me and said, let me borrow $3. I knew right then I was in for the evening. Uh, you know, it all worked out in the long run, but uh, I figured y'all might find that funny. Y'all. <laughs> he was right. <laughs> what a story. Okay, where else in America does that message end up on a national radio show voicemail? 
The answer is nowhere. My highlight is when the cop asked him if you piss in, in the in the beach where you live. Well, yes, sir, oh, I do. He said, uh, "Yes, sir. Uh, well, I on the dunes out there." <laughs> But, but he said he buries it. He buries it. He, doesn't leave he it said, up. but I dig a hole, you know, courteous and all. <laughs> I just wonder what his buddies were thinking when they they lost him for the night. His delivery is pretty fantastic, by the way. It's fantastic. He had a good, he had a good accent. He did, and uh, we appreciate him taking the time to share that story. You guys need to share your stories with us. If they, if we could have one of those on every we we would own the Lebetard podcast network if we had that kind of call on every single week and you couple that amazing interview with that amazing call we might win an emmy and are there emmys are there podcast emmys I, I, that's something that i've never thought about with this podcast before but maybe we there should, should be thinking about that because by golly we deserve one after that action and here's the deal is if you call and leave a message with that there's a good chance we might give you a call down the road for another update and someday we're going to have merch I'm I'm convinced someday we're going to have merch, you, and so here's the deal. Speaking of, we merch, might just send you a beer koozie speak, that you could carry down the strip with you there, Chief. Exactly, Marty. So you want this the Tisa watch for your birthday, and I've yet to get a koozie from you. So I'm just saying that's fair. I did get a I got a uh, I got a contract I need to sign because the Levitard Network is putting a Marty Smith's America T-shirt on their store. Yeah, so, you know, I, I just feel like a koozie could be a thank you. I mean, you, you're asking for a watch, and I just want a koozie. Yep, yeah, I understand. I got. I think I got one in the drawer. I might be inclined to put it in the mail. I don't know. We'll see. And, we, I, Travis, I don't remember the number. Uh, 860-516-1315? Wow. Is that, a, is that a miraculous moment that, that is, I just pulled that, is, that out? That is correct. I'm impressed, Marty. I'm shocked. I am I'm, I'm in, in shock. Uh, call us on the hotline and tell us you're completely – Ridiculous stories. We might please, call you. We think they're very funny. Um, thanks so much to Tiso and to ZipRecruiter. Without them, we couldn't do this. Thanks so much to Greg Oden for giving us time and giving us insight and vulnerability and telling us about himself. I appreciate Louise for believing in this. Travis always does such a great job, not only on Marty Smith's America, but on Marty and McGee as well. He's a, a, a great friend to me. And someone who does a great job and, and makes me better. And thanks so much to Dan Levitard and everyone that's involved in the Levitard and Friends podcast network. We are honored to be a part of that. And thank you so much to the United States military, our service men and women all over the world. We're free for a reason and they are the reason. Thank y'all. We appreciate it. This is the Marty Smith's America podcast volume 53. Y'all be good. We'll see you next time around.